Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Live. It's a break in there from the pass. He scores! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live. Now, here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. Okay, guys, show us what you got. Well, the Blackhawks haven't played since last Wednesday, and they're not going to play again until this upcoming Wednesday, but there is quite a lot to get to. We talked about it in the tease. Alex Dabrinkit doing a good job of representing the Blackhawks. The GM search seems to be in full motion. Some other things to get to as well. And uh, Team USA playing Team Canada later on tonight, so make sure you don't go to bed too early. You can cheer on the Team USA women's hockey team. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. How's it going, Chris? All right. Uh, so this is what I'm drinking <laughs> in order to stay up for the uh, 10-10 start in Beijing. Got the large uh, iced coffee from uh, one of the uh, more famous uh, coffee makers, coffee chains here in town. To uh, although I always bring that in, it'll it'll especially help tonight. Maybe I ought to take it slow in order to <laughs> in order to hold on until what twelve thirty is probably when this local time is when this thing's gonna gonna end up. But uh, yes, the grudge match continues tonight, and the men's team gets uh, underway here in a couple of days as well. Uh, Team USA uh, featuring or including uh, Drew Camesso, the Blackhawks prospect, among others, taking on Team China, I believe, on Thursday. Team China, which has Jake Chelios among the players. I didn't even know that until earlier today, that Jake Chelios has been playing. The the other thing I didn't know is that there is a – the team that Jake Chelios plays for in China is in the KHL. I didn't know the KHL had teams in China and I think North Korea as well. So I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff here. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been hearing a little bit about that from Kaylee Chelios uh, in the broadcast booth, and uh, we'll get Kaylee on the show one of these days. But uh, yeah, plenty to get to with uh, the Olympics, but also uh, the Blackhawks maybe with uh, some of their bigger news in terms of their GM search today. News breaking that the Blackhawks have interviewed an assistant general manager for the Chicago Cubs, Jeff Greenberg, for that general manager's role. Now listen... There was some talk about the Blackhawks looking outside the box, looking at other sports, uh, you know, dealing with Mike Ford and Sportsology, bringing in the three-man crew of Eddie Olchek, Patrick Sharp, Marion Hossa to help kind of uh, watch along with this hiring process. But if you remember, the Blackhawks talked with Jed Hoyer back in December, I think it was middle December, uh, just about going about the approach of finding the new GM. You almost wonder if in that conversation, maybe this Jeff Greenberg's guy's name is brought up. Is that something where, hey, you know, with these types of things, I would like to look outside the box. I would like to get as many opinions from as many people as possible. Kind of like this Jeff Greenberg guy who we're learning a lot of good things from here in the Cubs organization. But, I mean, he was just recently promoted up to assistant GM in 2020 for baseball. And now we're talking hockey. So it's definitely a unique approach for the Hawks, and I kind of get it, and I kind of don't. 
but I'd love to talk to somebody who knows more about Jeff Greenberg and why he might be able to suit this role. And the fact that he has absolutely no hockey background right. at all is very much outside the box in terms of thinking. And you know, when Danny Wirtz has stated there's only going to be a GM, he is going to be the right. person in charge and pulling the trigger on personnel and uh, who he has around him. Um, that had if if he ends up and I know nothing about about the man, but if he ends up advancing to a next stage, I, you know it would it would be quite interesting to say the least. But uh, you know some of these other names that they uh, some familiar names that they have uh, interviewed. There's also another guy in hockey that really has an amazing background. And uh, as we continue that, we should also just pause and and, and let our listeners know about the biggest story of the week. We will address that a little bit later on in the show, yes, what will. happened at the town hall meeting, because you know uh, we like to have uh, some journalistic cred as part of the show a- as well. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that and, and not uh, just totally dismiss this over the course of the next hour. Perhaps towards the end of the show, we'll offer some thoughts on that. But uh, between Kyle Davidson, who was the first interview, and uh, Peter Shirelli, Scott Mellenby, they have NHL, plenty of NHL uh, front office experience previously. But this Eric Tulski guy, who is now the assistant general manager in Carolina, what a what a resume he has, and he is much more of the analytics type. Um, but obviously, around a good group in that front office in Carolina, but. When you uh, take a look, uh, eight years overall in Carolina, he's been the assistant GM the last two years. But when you look at his education and some of the other stuff that he has been involved in, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And you can understand why he's on more of the analytics side or a specialist in that. Not to say, uh, you know, he isn't capable of uh, identifying talent and going the old school way of, of being a general manager. Well, I especially like how he comes from Carolina, how successful that team and organization is right now. And, and I like to see... A team who's trying to go and in the next step, the new direction to go off of the success of other teams, not to, not necessarily a copycat situation. But again, just quickly going back to Jeff Greenberg with the Cubs, that the biggest point is what you brought up that Danny Wirtz said that there will be a general manager and that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand this move a little bit more if there is a president of hockey operations right. and then there's the general manager kind of handling uh, some of the more business-like duties of the job. You know, maybe I'm right with that statement, maybe I'm not, but but that makes more sense. When you're evaluating talent, when you're dealing with other teams, when you have history with other teams, you almost feel like you would need somebody who's at least been involved with the sport. And again, I'm not poo-pooing what the Hawks are doing in this situation. It's just very unique. It's very interesting, and, and I'd like to hear why a guy with only a baseball background is being seriously considered for this job, um, but it's not like he's the only one. I, I still feel like Kyle Davidson would make the most sense at this point, but I like that they're reaching out to other people. I, li- I like that they're doing some things outside the box. Um, what you said earlier about what happened at the town hall meeting, yeah, we will address that later on. And it's not so much that um, we're trying to hide what had happened. It's it's not so much the story anymore. It's still the biggest news of the week. Mm-hmm. But now things have happened after that that are more part of the story. What Gary Bettman had to say during the All-Star break. The fact that Kevin Weeks was speculated to be a general manager candidate for this hiring process. He went out on Twitter after Rocky Wirtz had said what he said in the town hall meeting. So, you know, it's kind of fair to assume that Kevin Weeks might not 
be interested in something like that. That's pure speculation, but that's just part of it as well. And now also some news coming out from Rockford, too, that shows that yeah. there is an example of the Blackhawks moving forward and attacking and, um, I should say, taking uh, matters at hand of, of the things that they never quite got to explain a little bit further last week. We've also got a lot of fun stuff to talk about at the All-Star break. Dan Duva is our guest. He's the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. He called the All-Star game. Uh, he's been there since... He's just now catching his breath. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet. I bet. He, he's been there since the Vegas Golden Knights had uh, become a team, so I'm sure it was very cool for just the hockey community out in Vegas. And uh, put a question out there on Twitter. Got some really good responses, and I, I want to keep it rolling, so... Uh, give us a call, 312-981-7200. We do got to get to a break, but give us a call and let us know, just like how they had the fountain face-off for the All-Star Game in Vegas, with a little Vegas twist, a little Vegas touch, just you know, flipping the puck in the fountain, skipping across the water. The next time the United Center hosts the NHL All-Star Game and you want to see a skills competition that has a little bit of a Chicago touch... What do you want to see? Do you want you? Uh, you said you had one. Do you want to throw it out now? Or do you uh, want... Sure, sure. Mine would be construct a rink around the bean. That's where you have your obstacle course, but include the bean as part of the obstacle course, having to go around and under it. And if you skate too close, if you're not right down the middle of that bean, you better be wearing a helmet. <laughs> it could get a little bit interesting. So they didn't even have an obstacle course type uh, activity in this year's skills competition. Right. They have in, in years past. So if it's in Chicago, that's that's what kind of I'd like to see. And, and after the break, maybe we'll go through some of the responses. Hopefully, we'll get a call in to win the uh, to win the Boykey's Prize Pack as well. But uh, we'll go through some of the responses, the answers that we've gotten on Twitter so far. Most of them Chicago River related. I know you got a couple of ideas too. I do. I, I do like yours. Yours is already better than most of mine. I got one that I'm going to stick to, but it's also just kind of echoing off somebody that's uh, said something on Twitter already. Got to get a break to get to Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. I like to think that Alex Dabrinkit achieved one of his dreams by going to the All Star Game in Vegas Look this past you, weekend. Fleetwood Mac knowledge. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN, taking you up to eight o'clock tonight. Hawks are off until Wednesday when they visit the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton's actually going to play Vegas tomorrow night. Uh, they're going to host the Vegas Golden Knights. So we're going to be having Dan Duva, the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, on the show with us after 7.30 news. But uh, big night for Debrinkit, big weekend for Debrinkit as well. Got to see some creativity from the cat, too, dressing yeah, up. personality as uh, the new Alan from The Hangover. <laughs> the right. beard, the sunglasses, <laughs> little Carlos in front of him, and uh, catching a touchdown pass from Derek Carr and right. just slapping it past. I will say, I really like Trevor Zegers's. Uh, yeah. dodgeball skits. Yeah, but somehow he lost. Imagine there was a Vegas Golden Knight <laughs> who won the breakaway challenge who probably had the worst routine out of them all, but John Hamm hating on the Blackhawks and then trying to get on the fan side in Vegas by giving Petrangelo a 19, the only the only reason. We're going to have to bring this up with Mr. Duva afterwards, too. So yeah. John Hamm must be like the NHL's number one call anytime there's a big event. I know he's a big Blues fan. He supports the team very well. Uh, I know he was at the Winter Classic this past year up in Minnesota, but man, what was that? Negative six degrees? Like John, you, but the Blues were involved. They so. were okay. Uh, we're also taking calls and suggestions for Chicago themed 
NHL skills competition events during the All-Star game. Out in Vegas, they did a fountain face-off. They were flipping pucks across the water on the fountain and trying to hit little targets. Chris Bowden mentioned some players skating around the bean. Mario Tabassi, who does, uh, Tirabassi, that is, does great work for uh, Bleacher Nation, and uh, he, he had mentioned to use Lou Malnati's frozen pizzas as the puck. <laughs> and... Um, I like that idea. Why not just get the frozen pizza, get the frozen pizza, go through the obstacle course, like you had mentioned, maybe this could be at the bean, maybe not, and just see who can do it in the fastest time. Just, you know. I hope it's an individual size pizza, though, too. No, no, that's that's the novelty of it. It's it's a big, deep dish frozen pizza. Uh, Yeah. And you just weave around. So some of the others we had, uh, uh, beer chugging was was one of them. And then, uh, let's see... uh, Kenny Kenny P tweeted out all skills competitions done while eating Portillo's hot dog or beef sandwich. Um, going up the line here, um, a lot of people talking about the river. Yeah, River Bridge lifted uh, theme saucer competition. Players need to saucer a puck off a mini Chicago River Bridge onto targets on the Chicago River. Bonus points for hitting uh, a mini RC Chicago water taxi, and then uh, yeah, more of that. Shooting uh, into the river onto targets, similar to what I was actually kind of disappointed at the fountain challenge. Though I was expecting them to have to shoot through the fountains as they were as they were shooting up and spraying. So uh, I was a little disappointed that the the fountains were just some background noise and all that. Bring the water into the equation too, as as part of the competition. Yeah, another idea I have is for you keep the speed skating competition. But let's say, okay, let's say Alex DeBrinkett is in the speed skating competition. Let's just make this up. You have a Blues fan that has to eat as many Portillo's hot dogs as they possibly can. Once Alex DeBrinkett is done skating, that's his number. Then you get a Blues player and a Blackhawks fan. They do the same thing, and then whoever is eating the most hot dogs, because you can help yourself out. The quicker you get it done, the less likely the uh, the opponent has to eat that many hot dogs. I like it. I, I mean, like it's it. and our own David Hochberg, of course, saying that uh, hot dogs and beef sandwiches, and then do the uh, fastest lap competition. Maybe so. throw in some deep dips pieces as well as part of that menu. If, yeah, see, yeah, just the whole... People are going to have to be pushed down the ice at that point. So, <laughs> the whole smor- <laughs> smorgasbord. Uh, 312-981-7200 if you have an idea for a new Chicago skills competition for the All-Star Game, if it were ever to come back to the United Center and uh, they continue on with that theme. Uh, still, the biggest thing being these general manager hiring interviews and you know the Blackhawks being vocal about them and publicizing each time they have an interview with somebody um, I, I do think Eric Tolsky is one of the more impressive uh, resumes as well uh, Saturday Scott Mellenby of uh, formerly of the Montreal Canadiens I was trying to see if he had crossed over with Mark Crawford in Vancouver but it looks like they just missed each other by one year I, I don't mm-hmm. think that, that would you know, make a difference at all or anything but you, you look for some correlation and, and some reasons uh, why they these this new person coming into this position might work well with something going on on already with the Hawks and like we said last week I feel like the one thing the Hawks have in their favor with this whole situation is I mean the whole interview process is okay what are we doing moving forward what are you doing with our players what are you doing with the trade deadline are we in buy mode are we in sell mode what kind of sell mode uh, how do you approach this situation? So, I mean, I feel like the questions kind of write themselves 
for the whole hiring process for this team. Yeah, we mentioned last week, it'll be interesting to see how many more that they bring in because we are looking at trade deadline-wise five weeks away now. If if you want somebody in place to handle the trade deadline, at least a few days uh, run up before the actual deadline hits, uh, you'll be looking at, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, at least a second round of interviews here and then seeing if somebody wants to come to terms. So as, as this first round goes along, real interested to see how many more candidates they bring in. Mellon B was an assistant GM in Montreal for, well, since 2014, he was just let go or just, uh, gave up that job in November when he was not going to be, he was told he wasn't going to be considered for the permanent GM job once Mark Bergevin, uh, was let go. Peter Shirelli, Good run in Boston, a Stanley Cup, a Stanley Cup runner-up to the Blackhawks. Not so good run in Edmonton mm-hmm. with some of the deals that he made there. And uh, we mentioned Eric Tulski. Um, he, he studied nanotechnology at Cal Berkeley, among other things. Uh, also majored in chemistry and physics. And he holds 17 patents, apparently, as well. So there's did an it, interesting did it background. The, did it list the patents? <laughs> no, it didn't. At least in his bio, it didn't. That may that may require a little bit more digging. But uh, I, I looked that up earlier today because I knew they'd interviewed him a couple days ago. And as we got ready for tonight's show, I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper. And uh, wow, uh, that's <laughs> that's a resume for you right there in terms of analytics and and get diving a little bit deeper into those things that's uh that's quite something to throw on your cover letter i mean that, that's quite a breaking point in a conversation piece when you first walk into the room uh, more to get to on the gm talk again dan duva is going to be joining us after the news you're listening to blackhawks live here on 720 wgm little smash mouth to bring us back here on blackhawks live we 720 apologize. I don't. I'm, I'm a Smash Mouth fan. That came out when my kids were, were real small, and I had to drive them to school, to and from school, and uh, that would come, they loved that song, and they would sing along to it all the time. I'm sure they were a fan of the movie Shrek. Yes, that too. That's, that too. that's what kind of made it go crazy. Hopefully, uh, Dan Duva's a big Smash Mouth fan. He was one of the more busy, one of the busiest guys out in Sin City it's not this past week. Forcing to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dan, you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. But uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us tonight, boy. You've uh, probably had a whirlwind the past couple of days, huh? So we appreciate you taking some time for us tonight. Well, DJ Zed with the, the beat in the arena the other day, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still bouncing along to that. I, I could go for a dose of Bruce Springsteen myself. There you go. Okay, all right. Everyone's and most people are a fan of the boss. Uh, Dan, what was the coolest part of this weekend for you? Mm, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is still the Trevor Zegers thing. I was watching all of that, and I'm trying to figure out is is this a gag? Is like what, what what's going on here? And that the most memorable part of the whole All-Star weekend comes from a guy who was not an actual (laughs) All-Star speaks to uh, perhaps a a changing of the guard that these young guys and, you know, whether it's Alex Dabrinkit or look, uh, maybe Jordan Cairo in St. Louis, you know, a a number of the, the standout performers, at least those who caught my eye, were the young and up-and-comers. Then you throw in your Claude Giroux, who's got the MVP for the whole All-Star Game tournament, uh, so the veterans have something to say about it, too. I, I also will tell you that while the I, it didn't seem like they wanted to uh, highlight the fact that the stuff at the Bellagio was pre-recorded the night before, no. I did go down and watch those events in person, 
And that was neat to see. I can't imagine I'll be watching any hockey activity on the Bellagio Fountains again anytime soon. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting, uh, interesting note there because I wanted to follow up with a question about about the the night before, and I want to know how much money was slipped under the table that John Hamm, when Alex Petrangelo got out there for John to stick a one in front of his nine to uh, to pad the score a little bit, so the hometown guy could win that skills challenge over Zegris and Hughes and Debrinket. <laughs> Yeah, my abacus could not keep up in the radio booth. I, I, I was trying to figure out all the ratings. Unfortunately, from where we were positioned to see, you know, the, the different sized cards and I'm trying to figure out what exactly was going on, let alone uh, do those calculations. I was a journalism major, not math. But we figured it out, and uh, I, I still don't know how they allowed that to count, but they did. And uh, the shame of it is that Alex Petrangelo's uh, attempt did not even go in right. the goal. But uh, <laughs> Got a I second that chance. was besides the fact uh you know it's part of the show i i guess it's different than what you might see in some other markets but hey it's las vegas right we're talking to dan duva he's the radio play-by-play voice for the vegas golden knights since they joined the nhl uh so dan you've been there since you know the team came and it it just seemed like it, it had to be you know obviously the stanley cup run was big for the organization but it seemed like this was an opportunity to show the hockey world what Vegas has to offer, and I, I know everyone gets a glimpse of that before every game with the type of performance that uh, you know goes on on the ice. But I mean, in terms of the Vegas hockey community, how pleased were they with everything that had happened over the weekend? Because that's a lot of hard work crammed into like three days. I think that the community could be very proud of of how it represented itself in a lot of ways. And just to go back to the thought that you had about the Stanley Cup final, I think it's worth bringing up. It's a good point, Joe. You've got the Stanley Cup final, which is hockey's true exposition. And when Media Day took place in 2018, because Game 1 was in Las Vegas, so all of those... Uh, opportunities for the media to come in happened at T-Mobile Arena. And there were a number of high-profile people who had not seen a game in Las Vegas all season or even through the first three rounds of the playoffs, that that was the first taste of it. And, boy, that first game of the Stanley Cup Final was fantastic. Vegas' only win of the series, uh, and they got an empty netter late to win by two. But it was just a fantastic few days and I still think about those few days uh, that are most meaningful to me. And I think that there are some people who haven't been back to Vegas since that Stanley Cup final that uh, cover the sport, and, and I've no doubt some fans, too. And I think that in talking with George McPhee, who had been the GM and now the Golden Knights president of hockey operations, he was most proud of that the number of people playing hockey in the state of Nevada has grown exponentially since the Golden Knights have arrived. And that's at all ages. It's both genders, and it's in the Las Vegas area, southern Nevada, but it's really spread beyond that, um, how the number of facilities have increased. Uh, there's a new American Hockey League team, and they're about to open a new arena in a couple of months. There's all of that to be proud of, and checkered about Las Vegas is that logo. It's everywhere. Mm. It's on bumper stickers. It's on license plates. It's on sweatshirts. People have flags out the window of their car. It's on billboards. I mean, you go into grocery stores. That logo is just everywhere. And people are are so proud about having a a major league franchise they can call their own. Now, the Raiders are there, too. They've got their own history. But the Golden Knights are smart to trumpet the the credo of 
Vegas born. It's a hashtag. Yeah, and I saw pictures of that new arena in Henderson, and it looks uh, absolutely marvelous. Hey, I, I suppose I should have asked John Weideman this question when I worked with him for four years. Uh, is three-on-three hockey play-by-play easier to call than your regular five-on-five during the course of a regular? I, I was joking. I was I was joking earlier in the show. Maybe you just caught your breath now after uh, uh, all those all that three-on-three action up and down the ice. Is it easier? Are there different challenges to it? Uh, I would imagine with with fewer bodies, I suppose, identification becomes a whole lot easier during uh, those times. Well, identification can be a challenge when the Metropolitan Division has two number 20s and the Pacific Division has two number 7s, both of whom were the same stick hand. And uh, I I think that it is a test of lung capacity if I can't keep up with three-on-three means I'm not going to the gym often enough. <laughs> I would say that the, the, the three-on-three is exhilarating, and uh, I, I think that the second of the three games was the highest tempo and the most entertaining, and I'm glad that I had a little bit of a warm-up, and it seemed like the players in the first game were warming up, too, to be honest. And I love it. I love it. And uh, thank goodness there are at least a, a couple of whistles that the breaks in the midst of all those uh, three-on-three sessions were two and a half minutes instead of a minute and a half. That was helpful. <laughs> but I think that when there's so much activity and guys are coming on off the ice, I mean, they blew through a media timeout in one of those games, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who's on the ice, you know, line combinations when there's, you know, guys who are not on the same team. And the other thing that threw me for a loop is the third game, the teams switched jerseys from their right. previous games. So, if, for example, number 59, Roman Yossi, number 59, Jake Gensel, they had just been wearing different jerseys not five minutes ago. Uh. <laughs> so there's, so you, your brain starts to play tricks on you. My only recommendation for future All-Star events is that they have four different jerseys for each of the four mm-hmm. divisions and not just two. Yeah, that was wild. Well, just just keeping you on your toes, Dan. That, that's what they're doing. <laughs> we can't... Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> we can't talk Vegas without bringing up Marc-Andre Fleury's name. Uh, what a return he had when the Blackhawks played the Vegas Golden Knights, and that actually kick-started a nice four-game winning streak for the team before some things kind of fizzled out. But uh, I really think their performance against Vegas in that game had a big reason of why they were able to get on a run. And I do think it's backed up on what type of game Marc-Andre Fleury had and maybe just some extra adrenaline from that pregame video that he had. I I thought that was maybe going to screw him up a little bit, giving him all those emotions right before the game. But, man, you talk about, you know, we just talked about Vegas' hockey community, but you talk about that fan base appreciating Marc-Andre Fleury. And we are seeing it in a small sample size just throughout this half a year with Marc-Andre Fleury being in a Blackhawks sweater. But, man, what an impact he made over there in Sin City, huh? Is anybody surprised that that's what happened? Right. <laughs> you know, like that? No is the answer. I, I would uh, put that moment right there with so many other seemingly impossible moments that Marc-Andre Fleury has uh, brought to reality, and when you think about his time with the Golden Knights, and there are some terrific moments, I think folks forget that he was injured early in the fourth game of the season against Detroit. So he, uh, there were two games on the road. It was great in Dallas and Arizona, then the memorable home game. Derek Englund gives the speech. But then the fourth game, which everybody forgets, was against Detroit. Anthony Mantha knees Flurry in the head, hmm. and Flurry misses a couple of months uh, with a concussion. And I think that that time away, and Paul Maurice said this, at the time, that that 
stretch without Marc-Andre Fleury helped the Golden Knights figure out who they were as a team. But then when Fleury comes back, you've got a team that's primed to go on a run. That that incredible month of December, Fleury beats the Penguins. Uh, and that was, of course, an incredible first matchup against his old club. It, was it quite the same for you know Fleury as the Blackhawk to go up against the Golden Knights? It, it, no, of course, it's not quite the same. But that doesn't diminish the experience that he had in Vegas or the love that the people in Las Vegas have for him because the Golden Knights fans have known no other goalie that way. There have been uh, a handful of other guys who have put on the goaltending gear, but uh, the the hearts of uh, Vegas fans will stay with Marc-Andre Fleury regardless of what jersey he puts on uh, the rest of his career. And, yeah, the, the loudest ovation that we've heard for any opposing player in five years, no doubt, was for Mark Andre. I, I know a lot of people were rooting for him to beat the Golden Knights that particular day, and um, you know, people. Uh, I mean, it has been said before. I'm not hiding anything here. People are pissed. People are pissed in Las Vegas, and I, I don't know if they'll get over it uh, and, and until the team, you know, wins a championship or at least gets back to a Stanley Cup final. I think some people are thinking if the Golden Knights don't get back to the third round where they have been the last couple of years. Um, it's basically because they didn't hold on to Marc-Andre Fleury. He's a prince of a guy. He's a special person. He is missed, uh, but you know he's on the wrong side of 35 years old, and that's the way that the business goes, and salary being what it is. If they had tried to keep Mark, they might not have been able to re-sign Alec Martinez, and now what they're trying to do with Jack Eichel and fit him under the salary cap, it's part of the business. Uh, no doubt they would have loved to have kept him, but Vegas's loss is Chicago's gain. So many compliments being used on Marc-Andre Fleury. Prince of a guy, though. That's That speaks a lot. I, I appreciate you using that terminology on him. Dan Duva, thank you very much for joining us. We know you've had a busy weekend and a busy day. Go get him in Edmonton tomorrow. and we'll uh, Boy, we'll see you at the final home game of the regular season for the Hawks. That's what it takes for Vegas to come back to town, huh? Yeah, it, it's, it's the second to last game for Vegas, and it's the back end of back-to-backs. They're in Dallas and then in Chicago, so I won't spend nearly as much time there. I would have loved to go see a White Sox or a Cubs game. But go root on those Wildcats for me in a couple of days against <laughs> Illinois, would you? All right. Sounds good. Dan Duva, thanks, thanks so Dan. much for joining us. Thanks, guys. That's Dan Duva, radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode of Blackhawks Live. We'll get to more of the GM search, and we'll also cover the town hall meeting from last week as well. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to 720 WGN. Wrapping up Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. The Blackhawks are off until Wednesday when they visit the Edmonton Oilers. Good point by Chris Bowden, though, saying uh, during the break, Hawks are going to get back to practice tomorrow for the first time since uh, their loss to the Minnesota Wild last week. Definitely have to keep an eye out, see if Jonathan Taves will return. Mm -hmm. No uh, official word on how he's been doing with... Uh, dealing with concussion protocol, Derek King has mentioned he's been around the rink, he's been around the facilities, but uh, that's been the extent of it. Uh, we're also trying to give away a Boyke's prize pack um, in terms of a Chicago-themed NHL All-Star Skills competition event. Uh, Boyke's are our great partner here on Blackhawks Live. It's not beef jerky, it's Biltong, it's better than beef jerky. Go to boykeys.com, B-O-I-K-E-Y-S.com. Use the promo code WGN for 10% off your first order. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Clearly the biggest news this week isn't the GM search, uh, isn't the all-star break. It was the town hall meeting, 
and a couple of questions posed to the Blackhawks front office about player empowerment moving forward based on what had happened in the Kyle Beach situation. The original question by Mark Lazarus of The Athletic was aimed towards Danny Wirtz. It was directed towards him, his dad. The Blackhawks uh, chairman, as you all know, Rocky Wirtz, chimed in and uh, wouldn't directly answer that question, said he didn't want to talk about Kyle Beach, didn't want to talk about the past, wanted to talk about moving forward. Uh, Mark continued to try to ask the question about the team moving forward from that and how they're uh, doing things and changing things and implementing different uh, ways of operating to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, the answer was the question was never answered. Later on, Phil Thompson from the Tribune joined in as well and continued to try to get an answer to that question. Later on, Rocky Wirtz released a statement saying that um, his reaction had overshadowed the work that Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner had been doing, which, by the way, during that town hall meeting, there was a lot of positive and progressive things said throughout that entire thing. It's a shame that that reaction um, ended up being the main takeaway from that event because there were so many positive things going on and um but it, uh, that is the case that that uh that reaction by Rocky Wirtz is uh is what is talked about because this is an organization that is trying to move forward and trying to move past uh what had happened the people that were in office at that time that had the decision makings are are no longer there. I think that was a point that Rocky Wirtz was trying to stress too. But uh, now we're seeing it. You know, recently uh, some reports coming out of uh, the Rockford Ice Hogs firing their longtime athletic trainer based on a sexual abuse allegation from 2014 that did not come to light until after the Block and Jenner report had been released, so you saw the Blackhawks doing something about it. You saw them just squashing the issue right away, and hopefully that is a result of Kyle Beach's courage moving forward and coming up and uh, pointing out what's wrong is wrong and needing those people to be held accountable. So that right there is a example that hopefully and you would lead to believe that the Blackhawks are doing things differently to make sure that didn't happen before but again it couldn't get to that state because of the reaction by the chairman that day and it's compounded by the fact that the Blackhawks haven't played a game since that night so True. it is it is continuing to fester in, in the spotlight and things were going well until Rocky gave you know a completely wrong and tone-deaf answer. And I, I don't know what the preparations were prior to the event. Normally there's a, a brainstorming and discussion among the parties involved, among the communications, the PR or marketing staff. Get to get everybody on the same page with the messaging. And you knew that topic was going to come up. And now as, you know, it's, it's a very daunting damage control. Um, over the last several days. I haven't picked up a phone and called anybody to find out if there were any preparations involved. I don't know if I would even get an answer because they're busy trying to handle and, and, and clean things up. And, you know, uh, now whether uh, there was a meeting and, and Rocky ignored that blueprint of messaging or wasn't included in the discussion, or perhaps he had just recently found out about the potential for a couple of new lawsuits moving mm-hmm. forward that have been reported upon, or the Rockford situation, Another unfortunate phrase I thought came from Commissioner Gary Bettman, and he was wrong about it being a moment. And when when he said that, I immediately thought of 
all the moments that Kyle Beach True. and other victims have had over the course of the last nearly dozen years. We asked the Blackhawks if Danny or Jamie would like to come on with us to answer that and other related questions about the way they are or they, how they would have answered if given the opportunity the other night and how things are now changing in the aftermath. That request wasn't answered. But I can and share with you this, and I'll do this even as a former Hawks employee whose job was eliminated as part of, you know, pandemic-related restructuring, and and I'm still searching for full-time work ever since. Before the beach situation even became public, uh, and I'll add, I had never heard about the beach situation while I was employed there for four years. When Danny took over, he emphasized inclusion, diversity, equity, to the point that he implemented organization-wide workshops that every employee, even players and coaches included, had to participate in every couple of months. I know it's important to him, and it's continued and is commendable trying to open minds up and place employees in another person's shoes, which really should be pretty important everywhere these days. Unfortunately, there are still too many people who apparently you know, don't think so. I have no idea of the timelines of when Rocky originally Heard about Beach, the Aldrich situation, when Danny knew about it. There are naysayers after what I just said who will jump to the automatic conclusion that knowledge of that is the reason that Danny came in and implemented this stuff before it even became public. But uh, I'm aware that of what he's done, and I'm confident that it will remain an emphasis upon learning that he has already instituted a mental health department uh, in the organization. I truly believe setting the right culture is very important to Danny. As he said in his statement, also, there is no finish line to this. Um, his dad, quite fr- quite simply, got it wrong the other night. Um, an unnecessary extra hurdle in what was already going to be a long, grueling process to get the product on the ice to the level that it was during the first decade of Rocky's time as chairman here. Uh, and, you know, the first step is restoring the belief and the trust that starts within those walls at the United Center and at Fifth Third Arena and set a new tone and attitude and approach that all the fans can believe in again, no matter how long it takes. Unfortunately, it's now going to take a little bit longer based on the misstep that the boss verbalized the other night. Well said. I, I don't have much to echo on that other than, yes. When the Block and Jenner report had come out, Danny and Rocky were first on the screen saying they had no common knowledge of the they had no knowledge of this situation. The report will have stated that, will have shown that. And based on everything that Danny and Rocky have done in terms of transparency, uh, including the general population, including the fandom, and, and changing things around the organization, leads you to believe that they are and they were telling the truth. And I, it's it's even really a stretch to go to the length of Rocky's reaction at the town hall meeting would say otherwise about that. But like you said, it was the wrong step. It was the wrong thing to say. It was unnecessary. Everything was about this organization and team moving forward, and it's unfortunate that unnecessary step had been taken. Now Danny and Jamie are going to have to continue to do what they have been doing. I know that there was a plan all along, but again, it's a few steps back. And, uh, you know, hopefully just more changes will be made to show that in terms of more changes in the organization of something like this not happening again in terms of everything that Kyle Beach and now what we're learning other victims had to endure 
that it can be about moving forward and changing for the better of the good. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's it's just more of that moving forward than anything else. We are not going to be on uh, next Monday. Our next show will be Tuesday night. It'll be another 7 o'clock start for Blackhawks Live. Again, we're switching back to 7 to 8 with John Hansen's new Your Money Matters coming on from 6 to 7. Hawks play again Wednesday night. Visiting the Edmonton Oilers. We'll have the pregame at 6.30. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. You've been listening to Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN.